Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, okay. But I wanted, I, I was still looking for things to write. You know, in, in um, that day in class, I went out and bought myself one of these big black books. A sketch pad, you call them. Right. Um, you got they're, ready to say big black, and I thought, well, we haven't talked about the Vince McMahon thing yeah, yet. I was about Patrick. to say, yeah. And, and they're, uh, <laughs> they're, well, they're not blank pages anymore. Uh, you just fill them up with whatever you want. And right. um, I'm now in volume number, can you read that? 203. 203. There are 203 baby. volumes of this shit going back to 1965. <laughs> By the way, uh, Patrick, have have you ever thought about writing a book about all your experiences with these celebrities? Yeah, I would would read that in a heartbeat. Because you could literally put, because I remember when we first started doing Jiggy Jag TV back in good old 2007, I used to always take photos with everybody that we interviewed, and at one point, you know, I got I got sassed, I guess we would say one time when I was when I met Demolition. Um, after we did the interview with him, I asked him to do a, a photo with me. And we did it in the locker room, which I knew was going to be a problem. And all the indie guys that were in the room was like, yeah, Jiggy's a fucking mark wanting to get a photo of Demolition. And Smash stands up and he goes, listen here, motherfuckers. He goes, when is he ever going to meet us ever again? He goes, mm-hmm. shut up. Let's let's just get that photo. So we got the photo. And then as soon as I started packing down equipment, every as, as Patrick knows this, the biggest marks in the back, the biggest marks are the boys in the back. And they immediately go, hey, uh, sir, could, 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 could I get a photo with you guys? And so they're taking photos with every single one of the motherfuckers that was working that night. But, <laughs> oh but the point was, was that I was told at one time I should do like a coffee table book or something about all the, all the different people we met on Jiggy Jag TV. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you, Patrick, and I just, I'm amazed. I, you're the only person I know that does this. It's like what we were talking about earlier. You're the only one that will go meet some celebrity, get them. You'll pay to do the autograph. You'll get the photo. You leave. You get in a motherfucking car and drive to a Walgreens halfway down the block. You get it printed. <laughs> you come back and you go, hey, would you mind signing this? But the thing that you always do is, is in classic Patrick Palmer fashion, you go, look at what they were fucking selling at the Cracker Barrel. And then these fucking guys go, what? Really? Yeah, they yeah. are? And then they I, sign um, it. I, I've got the title for the first, first book. It's called From Presidents to Porn Stars. <laughs> and because Iowa, like Iowa, was first, Iowa was first in the caucus. And so we always met all the presidential. Oh, yeah. Time, um, in 2000, a couple of years ago, um, we met 13, my wife and I met 13 out of 16 presidential candidates. Holy uh, crap. CNN, yeah, CNN even interviewed us about it. 
And uh, uh, then a couple years ago, um, did you I ever met, get the video I, on that? Fuck, you should put that up somewhere. Yeah, met, met eight out of ten, and you know the only one I, I Ted Cruz is a bridge too far for me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, no matter what your political and and I've got the local. Um, uh, hey, I, I'm town. from Texas and we hate them, so you're yeah, fine. And they're going, hmm, Patrick Singh, Chris Christie. You know, it's like, I'm here because they're doing their show, their shtick, and I'm not going to see their whole show in a 10 second clip on CNN or Fox. Right. So I want to, I want to see the full Monty. And now what I do is I ask them a question locally, since I'm on the city council, that affects something in our town. You know, I see in a classic example, I asked Ramaswamy, he was the only one I met this time. Um, I asked him, okay, you, you want to, in every debate, we got to put more cops on the street. Well, I don't want to get political here because I hate it. And I said, our police are being poached by the Iowa State Patrol and the Sheriff's Department because they can pay more. Yeah. So we're losing our local officers. How do you handle that? I don't give me some yeah. rigmarole about mental illness, whatever. But anyway, I always ask them, a question and videotape it, hold the camera that has something to do with local, local stuff. That's now, awesome. let me get to Richard Pacheco here for a second. Yes. Um, I, my <laughs> wife, when we were dating, the only porn she ever watched was like a thousand and one cum shots. She says, <laughs> if I want to watch a movie with a plot, I'm going to rent Saving Private Ryan. And so the first movie that she and I ever watched as a couple, that was movie with a plot was up and coming and anytime there was a radio disc jockey who got any sort of sex that was a movie for me and in this movie uh marilyn chambers is an up and coming uh country music singer yep and she's trying to convince all these radio stations to play her a new hit and richard pacheco just happens to be the disc jockey at the hottest hottest radio station in nashville tennessee and he gets some payola to uh, play that record. Anyway, WCUM, don't touch that dial. It's got come on it. That is amazing. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> glad you have the, I'm glad you have the DVD because I had the VHS. So yeah, I, that is <laughs> Richard Pacheco signed it. Tom Byron signed it. Herschel Savage signed it. So that is amazing. Uh, anyway, I, well, I, I, well, Patrick, I, I know you've got to prepare for a show this evening. Before I let you yep. go, how do we get involved with everything you're doing with Jizz Talking? Uh, you can email me, Patrick at Jizz Talking, or just go to JizzTalking.com where you can find some of my fine merchandise. Those hats are amazing. I love those hats. Those hats black hats. Oh, by the way, before before I let you go, Patrick, I I didn't say this earlier, and I should have said this earlier because I was I was bound and determined I was going to talk about the Benz thing with you, but we'll have to do that later because we got talking about celebrity right. experiences and Jake the Snake snake peeing on people and biting strippers apparently. Um, <laughs> Um, See what Giovanni missed? <laughs> See, I, I, had, I really wish I didn't have to step away for 30 minutes because apparently I missed all that. And so, that so, Patrick, you were involved uh, about a month ago. You got invited to, which is amazing to me that this takes place, but there is a major porn production studio in Iowa somewhere. Yes. 
And you got invited to a shoot with a gentleman and Victoria Peaks. Yes. And yes. you sent me a little bit of a video, a little bit behind the scenes. You're like, this is what it's like behind the scenes. And you sent this to me. And I was fascinated by this. And, of course, because, well, this is the porn show, so we can say these things. I don't have to worry about uh, people's parents hear hearing about uh, what their daughters are doing. But, um, so, we, as everybody knows, we shoot content now. And last night we were doing uh, like a content uh, kind of swinger party kind of thing. And I had a couple new chicks that were, I'm OnlyFans girl. I'm OnlyFans girl. So she was there. They, they so were was there. their mother probably. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and we were getting ready to shoot content with them and me and a few other different people. And... I kept telling them before, I said, okay, we're essentially acting here. I said, yeah, we're all having sex and we're all having a good time, but we're trying to sell content. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like Jim Ross, the, the, the famous, uh, pro wrestling guy says, you got to put an ass every 18 inches. You got to sell them tickets. So we're trying to sell content. So I, I, I pull out that video that you sent me, Patrick. This little behind the scenes, and it is it is like it's thirty seconds long, but is the one thing it, all these bitches look look at this, and they're just their minds are blown. And basically, oh, what yeah. this video is is it picks up where Patrick is showing uh, Victoria Peaks getting pounded, of course, by this by this black guy, at standard <laughs> porn stuff, and she's doing her thing. She's like, "Oh, you're better than my husband," you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and then and then it stops. They they yell stop. They switch the light guy, they switch the camera guy. They switch they they go over and they go, "Okay, we need you to do this position, we need you to do that position." And then they get out of the way and then they go, "Okay, go." And then yeah. she's like, "Oh, it's so big. It's so big." And all this. <laughs> And the thing is, is that when I showed this, you do this, that so well. But, <laughs> you do that so well. When I, I showed this, when I showed this to them, they're like, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> <laughs> they're just blown away by this because they're they just thought it was let's turn the cameras on and have sex. No, yeah. And right. so, and Patrick, you you are amazing for getting that little thirty to forty five second clip that you've sent me because I've used that in so many of my shoots. And <laughs> Patrick, I would like uh, to get a copy of that from yeah. if you're okay with it to show real, real people this is story. what it is. Yeah. Of course, Victoria and I are pals, and she's yeah. always a pal. Anyway, so um, they're taking a little bit of a break, and uh, she's down on all fours, but her shoe is laying right by her head. And she throws that shoe at me. She says, quit watching. (laughs) (laughs) And and the whole time I'm thinking, the guy comes over and says, Patrick, here's my plan. We got to get some old time porn stars here and have them be celebrity directors. And, and we got to, I'll fly them right here to Iowa and I'll pay them. We're going to feature them. And, and, uh, and, and let's see if we can get a hold of Jerry Butler. He's dead. Let's see if we can get a hold uh, while, while Herschel's dead. And then, well, uh, well he, he's dead. He named off about 10 dead guys. Anyway, but uh, uh, Richard Pacheco's name came up. Anyway, so bad luck with that. Don't don't text me at 10 o'clock at night. But anyway, um, yeah, so anyway, that's the next thing is, is well, there's going to be kind of a uh, like a 
like an apprentice type of thing. And there's that would be amazing. Kids. That would be amazing. I don't know if these young kids could handle the actual experts from the. I, I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, you and know, you, Richard would have great wants, ideas, and then these little millennials would be like, "I don't know what I'm doing." And then you know, it'd be. It, yeah. He know. wants Chris. Bend over. So they would. He'd pay him to fly him into Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and away they'd go. And, Cedar and I, Rapids. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, well, Patrick, you have given us way more of your time than I expected. I really appreciate it. You're amazing. Before you let him go, I want to just add one more thing about that. Yes. In many ways, Patrick has learned from his interviews with Bill Margold. Um, and in Margold's departure, Patrick, in, in lots of ways in this generation, has stepped up to provide some humanity for a lot of kids that don't know what the fuck they're getting into yes. or what the fuck they're doing. There it is. And he has put up with a lot of no-shows when he schedules these young princesses for their interviews. Um, but he always applies some heart. He is a man whose heart is bigger than his stomach. He also finds, and Richard can attest to this, he also saw. He also finds some diamonds in the rough that if oh, it yeah. wouldn't have been on your show, like that vividly Bixen chick. Yeah. Holy oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna excuse myself for a minute. My front doorbell is ringing. No, that's fine. That's fine. We're we're we're, right we're just gonna keep putting Patrick, Patrick over until, until you get back. Well, I'm. But and, and before and before she went on vacation, I I was texting back and forth to Bridget the midget. Bridget and, the. Midget, baby. And, and so anyway, after I get her lined up, then of course I expect her to do your show. Now I, oh yeah, I, I got to admit though. Oh God, if we get Bridget the Midget on Big Will, we'll we'll pop in and he'll never leave. You know, I'll, I'll see I, the Skype call is still active six days later, and he'll be talking to her. I find that you know I, I think the term midget's derogatory, but if she's the one using it, then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. If it's if you it's know, part of the brand, I'd say yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was about to say. Back in back in the day, they used to have you know Elvis was known as Elvis the pelvis. Yes. Well, my first day taking a shower in ninth grade gym class, they always called me anus the penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patrick, you are amazing. Um, I, love it. I just think the the if you ever do a book, you should. Because yeah. just the I'm fact that all that. the people 100%. you've met, all the photos you've got, just amazing stuff, brother. And I hope that since we're doing, we're all going to be at Exotica Chicago. Um, I hope you can get Jenna to sign something. I, I know you're gonna. I, I, I know you'll find something. Just as always, don't let Christy Canyon and the crew know because they'll they'll throw you off the island. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy an advanced ticket. That's the, 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 this Jason guy is selling advanced tickets and front of the line passes and this and that. And I'm not going to drink bubbly champagne or apple cider with her. I don't give a shit. Just, just put my arm on me and take a picture. You know, there you go. Uh, yep. There it is. 40 bucks. Here you tell go. me, so, tell, yeah. tell, tell me, tell me horrible stories about your ex-husband, Tito Ortiz. That's all I want. Jesus, Jiggy. <laughs> but, uh, oh, but my God. Patrick, God. you're amazing, brother. I really appreciate true it. True that. 
right. And uh, I great will talk to, to you back. soon this evening. Jizz talking, and uh, you're you're amazing, my friend. Thanks for doing All this. Right. You bet. Yeah, I was about to say. There he goes, yep. the fantastic Patrick Palmer, the man, the myth, the legend. Forget about what you've heard. Forget about parrots <laughs> and jello fights. Forget about gerbils and batting cages. Uh, we just had Patrick Palmer on. But now we're going to turn our full focus here to the amazing, as I always like to he, – he's going to correct me. And, you know, this will be the time that I don't say it. But uh, R- Richard Pachinko – uh, no end. There's no end. Right. There's no end in Pacheco, no right. but uh... Pacheco, Pacheco, Pacheco. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be your Midwestern thing, Jiggy. I think you've been in Kansas way too damn long. I don't know what long. it You're is. Putting in front of it. I mean, so so Richard, I want to first of all talk about your book. Yes. Okay. Let's hawk the book, baby. Let's sell some books here. Uh, hindsight, uh, tell me and the amazing Giovanni Valentino from uh, Sex Work PR and Model Red Agency a little bit about your book. Yep. <laughs> there he goes. Damn it, he just pulled a, 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 a Bill Bargold <laughs> on us. A Herschel Savage on us. Oh, it's, a, it's the greatest book that was ever written in the history of the books. <laughs> Before the Pentateuch and before the first Old Testament, there was Richard Pacheco. And uh, he was with uh, Adam and Eve. And one day Adam had to go take a shit. So he snuck in and he had sex with Eve. Before the snake even, he had sex with Eve. And that started his whole career. And then he wrote about every woman he ever fucked. And a couple of fellas. Because uh, this right there too. Oh my uh, god! Did it all, did it all twice, and wrote a great book about it. All right, enough about the book. What's all, what else on your mind? <laughs> what a, a mensch. <laughs> so, Giovanni, what do you know about Richard? That well, you... I know that he is—he uh, is somebody that I have—I have seen uh, plenty of plenty of his work over time. I know he's won plenty of awards for it. I would say that the news about the book I did not hear until more recently, uh, but I, I think that was one of my biggest things for for Richard. And I, when I started seeing him on Patrick's calls, I was like almost like, oh, you know, you're kind of like a fan, you know, you you sort of like looking at it like, holy crap, you know, I'm I'm in the same room with this just this great guy, and it, it's one of those things. And I think that for me, what I've known about Richard in the past is like I think your trajectory to your work in adult film, that's, those storylines are amazing to me. Um, and I was kind of wondering in the book, so I was going to kind of wonder about that. How did you, at what point did you decide to write the book? And more importantly, how did you kind of, without giving away the book, but like how much time is dedicated to your entrance into the business in the book, like holistically speaking? Well, there's about 80 pages that set the stage for me entering the industry. And they're biographical, um, talking about this. One of the key factors in understanding the creation of Richard Pacheco was the fact that I was the fat kid. Um, from the age of 7 to 17, I was proportionally about 50 pounds overweight. I had the biggest Whoa. hits in the seventh grade. Um, I couldn't take off my, my shirt. It, it, I, had, I had to keep a T-shirt on when I went swimming because all my 12-year-old friends 
would make fun of my tits. Um, unbelievably humiliating and I'm helpless. I can't not, do, I don't know how to do, get rid of this. Um, and not only that, but when you're the fat kid and you, <laughs> um, I have the smallest cock to ever hit the big time. So the fat pours out over the over your dick and your dick, which is that big now looks about that big. And that's another source of like, I can't get undressed in front of my peers. So the shame of my body is something I grew up with. And you adjust when you're the fat kid. You get funny and you get tough, one or the other. Yeah, I did both of them. Uh, I didn't get big enough to be very tough, so I got funnier than I was tough. And I was always the sidekick. You audition for movies, you're going to get the Andy Devine part. You're never going to be Wild Bill Hickok. <laughs> you're going to be Jingles, the fat guy. Or Gabby Hayes, the funny guy. You're always going to be the sidekick. You're never going to be the hero. Right. And that's how I grew up. Okay. Uh, magic comes to Howie. When I'm 17 years old, um, I had just begun petting. All my friends were all well ahead of me. <laughs> but I just entered that phase of life. And right. also, my brother, I have a brother six years older than me that never got a B in his life. All A's and everything. Oh, wow. And okay. the family scuttlebutt was he was going to become a nuclear physicist. Right. And I was going to become a gym teacher because I like sports. <laughs> so okay. that's, All right. I was kind of wondering how that came about. All right. Gotcha. All right. Well, in school, we were in a very competitive academic environment in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a public high school that was known nationally for its scholarship. Oh, wow. And, uh, okay. I made mediocre grades and they kept putting me in advanced classes because I tested well. But I didn't do that. Wasn't I didn't care. I my, my brother's thing. I don't want to anything he did. He made a right. I made a left. That's just how it went. That lasted until I was seventeen, and then I got to the place where, okay, fuck, um, you're fat and you're dumb. <laughs> these, aren't, these are not two two good ways to go through life. So, I managed to convince my parents at, on New Year's. 1965, I'm going to stay home from school the next two months. And what I'm going to do is two things. I'm going to study for the college boards because I didn't have the grades, but I could, my board scores were mediocre, 500s, if you know that scale. Yeah, yeah, uh, I remember that. And uh, in Pittsburgh, in my crowd, if you had to stay home to go to college, you're going to college. That wasn't even an option. Right. But um, if you're going to get into a good, you want to get out of town, which was success, you yeah. had to have better great, uh, scores than I had. So I'm going to study for college boards and I'm going to exercise. And uh, I'm going to only eat meat and lettuce, essentially. I didn't like vegetables, just salad. Um, and I started this program in January. Um, and from January until about February, Feb until March, two, two full months, the miracle happened. I lost 50 pounds. 5 0. Wow. Um, and I could fit into clothes off the rack, <laughs> which was a good thing. <laughs> uh, and in addition to losing 50 pounds, I brought up my board scores, my my English scores. I got from 500, I got 695. I didn't get a 700, which I really wanted. Yeah. But 695 was fucking good enough. I got the Jewish discount. 695. <laughs> I got the Jewish oh, discount. <laughs> So, and the math, I got 650, which really, I hated math, because that was my brother's right, right, right. thing, math and science. 
I just couldn't get it, but I made myself do it. It's okay. right on disc. Yeah. I go back to school. Who the fuck's that guy? I walk down the hall. Wow. It was a, there were 500 people in my class, you know, about 3,000 in the school. But people That's knew amazing. it was me and they could see that I, there's a miracle just happened here. Um, <laughs> and before that year was out, I got elected to be president of the senior class. Oh, well, well that, there was a feather, we, that was a cool. feather in Howie's cap because now uh, it helped on my college applications to be the president of the senior yeah, class. Yeah, I did. Yep. And more than that, it helped with the girls. All of a sudden, where I couldn't get the girls I was interested in to look at me, now my phone's ringing. And uh, my, I, my mother drew the line at lying for me. She wouldn't lie for me. And I told her, like, if Susie calls, tell her I'm not home. Well, Susie called. My mother said, here, talk to Susie. I'm not lying for you. <laughs> Thanks, Ma. Uh, but, okay, that's what started. I lied for that was my first experience as a sex star. I now tasting this kind of fame this kind right. of right yeah yeah uh, so okay so and the and when i go to audition for something i'm not the fat guy anymore i'm up for the leading man parts whoa Amazing. thank you jesus <laughs> and that led me on that path and you know there's a, a lot a lot of a whole bunch of therapy here but the headline <laughs> is um for every girl that ever said no to me i fucked at least 15 women um, yeah, and that added that's up to amazing. lots of women in a hurry. That and is that's amazing. That's not mental health, guys. That's just revenge. Um, and I hey, had a, honestly, I had yeah. a, I had to grow through a lot of that, um, and I did, I did. Um, so I, I'm just eventually, amazed. I guess for the porn audition, which yes. happened, but my my wife and I were on some. Uh, I was already married at this point. Um, my wife and I had been taking some acting classes with a group called the Blake Street Hawkeyes, of which Whoopi Goldberg was a member. Oh, wow. Um, and the other three guys that started the group came from the University of Iowa, which at that point in history was producing actors like uh, Hollywood. It just they, there was a funnel just right there. Like it used to be like Carnegie Tech used to be in Pittsburgh. Actors right, went right. right to New York from there. So Iowa was was another and Yale. Iowa and Yale became the places for training actors. And um yeah, I was wondering on, about the name, the Hawkeyes. I was like, that's got to be Iowa. That was Lake Street first, Hawkeyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're all Iowa born and raised, and they were at the University of Iowa. Um, so um, I started getting on lists for going to auditions, and a call came from my wife. And uh, the, the, the guy on the phone said to her, how would you like to be on an erotic romp through a hospital? And my wife said to him, is this a porno movie? And the guy was kind of taking it back because he's on the phone. And he, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she said, well, I'm not interested, but maybe my husband would be. And she hands me the phone. Whoa. Now, they're not so looking that's... for guys. They're never looking for guys. Guys right. are falling out of the woodwork to be in the porn right. industry. This is the late. <laughs> or mid, the, mid, the mid 70s. And they still are falling out <laughs> <laughs> to this day. <laughs> so the guy gives me the information and, uh, here, my fantasy at this point in time, although I already told you about the writing aspect, this is the chance to write a great article. Mm -hmm. And secondarily, um, in the sexual fantasy department, I was newly wed and I was very much in love. There's a wonderful story of my falling. My wife and I had a marriage at first sight experience. Oh, wow. Not, not love, marriage. And I can tell you about that. That's worth hearing about. 
But mm. before we do that, I'll just say that um, there's a very powerful, loving thing happening. And, and we, we actually did get married. It took a year. Um, but I hadn't ever in my life been with a bad girl. I'd never been with a prostitute. I'd mm. never been with crotchless panties and nippleless bras and cocaine and the right oils. And <laughs> then you not, haven't not been a, around a party girl. Not an I love you. Yeah. I wanted some recreational sex with a bad girl. And um, these were the kind of things I couldn't say out loud to my wife at the time. It's the kind of things that any decent husband would go find out uh, outside of the home and then go and have it and then apologize and be sheepish and guilt when he tells his wife about it. That's where I was at at that stage in my life. And I right. wanted that kind of experience. And I thought if I would go to an audition for a porn film, that's where I'm going to meet some of these girls. Because I'd never been to a whorehouse. I, I just didn't even know how to go about this. Um, so I'd I went to an audition to looking for a woman like that. And uh, this is all in the book, by the way. This is because uh, this is step one. I go to the audition. Step one. I love it. I go to the audition and I, it's in a downtown hotel, San Francisco. San Francisco okay. was a center of production in the mid-70s from all the L.A. companies that couldn't shoot down there because of police pressure. Uh, so they came, all those L.A. companies got in vans with their equipment, right. came to San Francisco, and voila, instant production companies all over town. Instant um, production companies. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. They, just, they, take they shoot the movies here where the, the local constabulary was like, no harm, no foul. Nobody right. complains, nobody gives a shit. Right. <laughs> so they shoot. We shoot our movies, and then the companies would take everything back to LA and do all the posts in LA, where the business was really centered. Um, and this was and, the Candy Stripers, right? Well, before we get to that, it's, it's okay. the audition for the Candy Stripers. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And uh, at the audition, uh, I come in and uh, I'm looking around the right woman I'm going to invite for my little adventure this afternoon, and I kind of pick her out. And they asked me to come back into the back bedroom from the lobby of the room um, to read the script. And it turns out that's the girl they want me to read with, the one I had a fantasy about. So we get in there and the producer asks, says, do we have pictures of you yet, honey? And she says, no. She says, well, do you mind undressing? We'll get some pictures. So they let me stay in the room. She got naked. That was nice. I learned <laughs> she really was a natural blonde. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> he did a funny thing. Hey, would you bend over and stick your ass out? We're looking for hemorrhoids. They show up as big as, as golf balls in, in, in screen. So she did that, and that was kind of charming. And I also <laughs> liked when she turned around, she pinched her nipples so they'd be hard. Uh, that, that was cool. That got me hot. I like that. Okay, and then we had to read the script. Now, the script was written by a, um, a, a chimpanzee with an erection. I mean, that's the only... You know, it was really like that. Sounds right. Yeah, very, sounds very accurate. That very is amazing. Yeah. A chimpanzee right, with an erection, baby. They're really bad. And uh, okay, and he says, "Thank you. Uh, if we're going to use you, we'll call you." Uh, which <laughs> clearly was a dismissal. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm dismissed, and uh, I go out into the hall at the hotel, and I'm thinking, "Fuck." Uh, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I go about 10 steps down the hall, and I, I'm going to wait for the girl who I was who I picked out to come out. And when she comes out to go to the elevator, I'll, I'll start walking then, too, like I just got finished, too. And I, I do that. And it works. 
we both get in the elevator at the same time. My fantasy was to fuck her in the elevator, but um, we're already on the second floor. Oh, so it okay. doesn't look like I'm going to fuck her between, <laughs> between two and two one. Two and one. No, not going to happen. So I, we're down to the first floor, and I blurt out, do you want to go somewhere and play with me? And she said, I knew you were going to ask. And I said, yeah, well, I'm asking. She said, all right. I said, do you need a ride? And she said, no, I have my car. I said, just, I'm in that Volkswagen. Just follow me to my apartment. So I do. And we get to her apartment. And um, she starts talking. And she's talking. Okay. Enlightenment comes to Howie. There are no dirty women. There's just costumes and play acting. And there's no heat going on between us. There's really nothing that needs to get any further. And I'm hanging around. I had taken my camera with me. and She kind of posed for me a little bit. And it get to be six o'clock. And the alarm goes off in my wedding ring. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> Okay. That is a that's oh a Oh my god. That is a, a t-shirt. I, I love that. I love that. The alarm An goes off on my wedding ring. All right, so now I'm home and uh 2 days later I get a phone call. They want me to be in the movie. Oh. Oh. Holy fuck. I wasn't planning on that. At that point in time I had just finished a manual labor job where I'd been making $5 an hour for heavy-duty work, like sledgehammer breaking up concrete work. I didn't want to keep doing that. But it made me in great shape. Unbelievable yeah. shape. Um, so I, what can I do to drop? I was a hippie. What, how do I drop back in? It was time to drop back in. I was a hippie. Um, so I decided to apply to the Episcopal Theological Seminary at Harvard. They had a what? famous reputation. Episcopal Theological Seminary. Oh, no, I heard you the first okay. time. I just, <laughs> I just what? <laughs> They, they had a great history program, and I'm, I love history. I was a history major. so Right. So I was I, for the record. Same here. Okay. I'll learn some more history, and I'll get a Harvard degree. You know, that can't hurt. Um, and then secondarily, I applied to the Hebrew Union Seminary in Cincinnati. Hebrew they also Union. Had an excellent uh, history program. So just so I can recap here. So on one end, we had the Episcopal Theological seminary, and the other end we had the Hebrew, correct? The Hebrew. Yes, and we okay, had manu gotcha. and manual labor. Is and manual labor. And a porn career is number. And four. a porn career. And were you not also quite active as terms of like what I, what what they would term today like the hippie movement, the progressive movement? I yeah, think but that it. had already petered itself out. We got okay, okay, okay. Yeah. The revolution was over. The the bad guys won, and we're all trying to figure out how to drop back in. Jerry Rubin is on now on Wall Street. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Abby Hoffman has killed himself. Phil Oaks right. has killed himself. Um, my heroes were, were just gone. Gotcha. Um, all right. So um, while I'm trying to make the decision, the Episcopal Theological Seminary writes me a letter. Dear sir, while it's true in the past we've accepted uh, non-Episcopalian people to participate in our academic uh, blah, 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 this year we really need to make ministers, so go fuck yourself, Jew boy. Um, <laughs> okay they're out and the jews god bless them they say okay you're accepted but you have to go to israel yep. to study aramaic for the first two years because you can't you got to be able to read the documents in the original language 
No, I'm not going to Israel <laughs> because my brother was in Israel. My brother had become an eye surgeon and was now operating on Golda Meir in Israel. That oh, was, wow. He had emigrated. That was his. Okay. And where he was, I wasn't. So I don't care. I'm not going to Israel. That left um, manual labor or porn star. And that wasn't even a choice anymore. I was going to get $200 for getting a blowjob in one day. And that, that's all I got for a whole week of the sledgehammer shit. <laughs> so I did my first film. And I can Richard, do I love that. The sledgehammer shit. I mean, I'm just, I'm just over here. Like, oh, my God. oh, man, that's a tough way to live. Um, that's a tough way to live. Yeah, it so is. It is. I can tell you, the Candy Stripers was the movie. And... Um, <laughs> you want to hear that story? I'm, I'm, all right. got it's a, you got the you've got the floor, man. Yeah, my you my got first the floor. Movie, um, you could. Uh, I realized it was two weeks before the I'm going to shoot. Two week wait. So my body's in phenomenal shape. Uh, gorgeous tan muscle. Just keep it up. You're doing great. But there's no way you can promise two weeks in advance that on Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're going to get a hard on. There's no Viagra. Right. There's no Cialis. And none of that shit exists. It's all going to be trial by ordeal. So I started, yep. pra I started practicing. I would just take out my dick and make myself hard. And I didn't yeah. come because I was just trying to be able to make myself hard on cue. Yes. Okay. And I did a lot of this. Well, about five, six days before the shoot, I wake up one morning with red blotches all over my body. Big red blotches. What the? Holy fuck. I think I have poison oak. And I call a good friend of mine and say, he knows about nature. And I, he, that doesn't sound like poison oak. Uh, go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor. And the doctor says, you're nervous. And I said, yeah, but I didn't tell him why. Um, he said, you have hives. Um, take a Valium and go to bed. You should be fine. Okay. So I do this. I go home, I take a Valium, I go to bed, and in the morning they're gone. And I think this is a miracle, and I'm so excited about it. And I'll tell you why. My favorite writer is Nikos Kazantzakis. He's a fellow that wrote Zorba the Greek that's well-known. But he also wrote another hundred books. He's brilliant. He always writes about the conflict between the spirit and the flesh. And he tells this story in his autobiography when he was uh, a young man and uh, only married for several years, he decided to have an affair in Vienna and he was going to go meet his paramour there. And he shows up in Vienna and he's waiting for her to show up and he wakes up with red splotches all over his body and he's terrified. And he goes to see the doctor and the doctor has no idea why, what it is. And, and he decides He'll talk to his friend named Sigmund Freud, who just happens to live in Vienna. And he goes to meet with his friend Freud, says, Siggy, I got a problem. He didn't say it with the Hebrew accent. He, he said it with Greek, Greek accent. Uh, <laughs> it's great to me. And, it's great to me. And Freud said, with the Jewish accent, I think you got a problem. Uh, if I was you, I would not have this affair. I think it's fucking with your brain and it's making your body go boring. So I would turn around and take my ass home. Go home. Go. And, and Kazanzakis, that's what he does. And it goes away. 
So when this happens to me, I think, wow, I wonder if it's going to make me a better writer. Because Kazantzakis is the greatest writer you'll ever read. Right. He wrote a book called The Odyssey, which begins where Homer's ends. And oh, his, wow. Kazantzakis's book is a thousand pages of poetry about what happens to Ulysses or Odysseus after that. And it's an amazing book. I recommend it highly. Okay. Um, so now I'm going to make the movie. The day comes. It's time to go. I'm in the Bay Bridge. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm driving over to the set, and I'm practicing getting hard-ons in the car. I have my pants pulled down. And, I'm, and, and when you're on the Bay Bridge <laughs> with your pants pulled down, I, I had a jacket nearby so when the trucks would pass by because they're way up high and they can look down um, I would cover up my dick so they wouldn't see me jerking off <laughs> so and they wouldn't I'd see me jerking off that's awesome <laughs> I'd miss one in the truck would talk yeah. on go, hey you jack off buddy. I'd say hey I gotta rehearse <laughs> I gotta <laughs> is this work related alright so I get to the studio um, it's gonna be an orgy uh, no it's just me and the girl This is, the orgy scene comes later um, just me and the girl on this morning. And uh, her name is Nancy Hoffman. She's not well-known. She's cute. She's a little blonde. Uh, there's no heat between us, but so what? She's going to suck. I can be sucked. Um, we get on the set. Bob Chin is the director. He's a gentleman, thank God. Um, <laughs> he's a gentleman, thank God. He, he says I love to me, that line, uh, yeah. You drop your drawers. You get on your knees. You suck his dick. When it gets hard, we'll start to shoot. And that all happens. I get hard right away. And uh, I'm looking everybody in the eye. Hey, welcome to my blowjob. This is really cool. I'm going to, you know, I'm getting blown and you're going to pay me. Wow. I'm in heaven. And then cut. All right. This is all film. So there's no video. Right. Um, you got to film magazines only hold three, four, five minutes of film. Then they got to stop right. and reload. They stop and reload. Yeah. So they cut. And uh, my dick goes, she's getting her makeup fixed. Um, they're adjusting lights. And uh, okay. And back in the back again, we're in action. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so cool. Okay. Okay, guys. They do this three, four, five, six, seven times. At the end of the seventh time, my dick said to me, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> Are we finishing here? What's going on? Yeah. I said to my dick, I don't know. I just worked. <laughs> my dick took the car keys and went home. My dick oh. took the car keys I and went home. I am loving Another that t-shirt. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So we go back to shooting. And uh, before we started shooting, and this is about seventh, eighth take, um, Bob says to me, we have all the hardcore footage we need. Now just come. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All I got to do. So she starts sucking me, and she starts sucking me really fast, trying to make me come. Whoa, I wasn't even hard yet. My dick, well, put it this way, the sperms in me just started running backward. They're going, no, 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 no. And they wait for about, they, they're watching the show for like five, six, seven minutes. Oh my God. And uh, then they turn the camera off and now it's dead, this silence. And uh, wow, it was the loudest silence I ever heard in my life. And, but nothing's happening. I'm completely locked down in fear. Right. And 
we had been shooting all morning. We were supposed to be done by noon, and then there was nothing in the afternoon. They were all go home. So now it's, but they're going to have lunch first and then go home. <laughs> so now Bob says, let's break for lunch. And we'll come, we'll come and pick up the cum show right after lunch. So, okay. Um, they have really, they have like uh, tablecloths and plates and roast beef and gravy and silverware, everything. Um, but no, I, I'm in the bathroom by myself with the door locked and I'm trying to get hard. Good, good. Yeah. By myself alone, I'm trying to get hard. Ouch. Nothing. 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 I nothing. Nothing. I I've never been here before. Uh, I understand and all the fear that was out there, but not by myself. Nothing. Okay. Okay. It's now one o'clock. Time to get back on the set. And um, more nothing. Oh wow. More nothing. It's one thirty. It's two o'clock. It's 2.30. The set starts to look like the movie The Flight of the Phoenix, if you remember that. <laughs> People are growing beards. It's like um, an airport when there's a snowstorm. The crew's just looking for a place to lay down and go to sleep. Oh, and my God. I'm sitting on the floor. I'm naked. And she's got her head on my lap. Um, I think she's sleeping. And um, I start thinking about the first girl. I ever made out with. Oh yeah. Sally. Sweet Sally. And there's a little flicker of life in my dick. And Bob Chin is the only one watching this. And uh, Sally, Sally and me in her game room, first makeout session. The game room, uh, yes. <laughs> I didn't in the Kingston trios on the record player. Hang down your head, Tom. Dooley. Hang yeah. down your head and cry. Right. Yeah. Come on, Howie, you can do it. You don't have to die. Well, he Bob sees that my dick is starting to experience engorgement. Nice. <laughs> what a word. Mwah. Engorgement. And he goes, get up, get up. And I start to move to get up. And Nancy hits her head on the floor. And my dick, which had been going there. <clears throat> okay. Bob comes running in. She's awake now. At least she's awake. And he says, okay, what you were doing, do it again. And uh, we're going to roll right now. Okay? And go. So I start. Um, actually, it's working again. And uh, I start to get hard. And Nancy reaches out and touches me. Well, as soon as she touches me, it all shuts off because I'm looking at Nancy. Nancy had the look on her face. She'd so much rather be bowling than be. She'd rather oh my be bowling. God. She has had enough of my dick. She'd been on her knees sucking my cock for 45 fucking minutes. She didn't, you know, at that moment, enlightenment comes to Howie. The difference between personal sex and professional sex. In personal sex, when this happens, it's time to go have a cup of coffee. Go, go, you know, cuddle. Yeah. Go do something else. Do something, yep. But we aren't personal here. We are yep. hired. I'm hired to come. She's hired to make me come. That's the job. But I'm in a place where it's all colliding. I don't. I haven't learned any of this kind of subtlety. The separating, yet. yeah. All I see is here's a woman that doesn't want me. She's done with me. And I, my, my whole thing goes, well, I'm, I'm self-defense. You know, leave me alone. Don't touch me. Uh, I'm not going to be the author of this kind of shit. Um, <laughs> so 
Um, right. Bob Chin is a smart man. He comes in and he goes, look, Nancy, don't touch him. Howie, jerk off. Just jerk off until you come now. And Nancy, when the first drop comes out, that's when you grab it and act like you did it. And we go and do that. And that's what happens. I come. And um, <laughs> I, in my head, hear the cheering of millions. Millions. This is my Rocky moment. I didn't get knocked out. I didn't win a fight. I did not win this fight. I didn't get knocked out. Um, and I knew that. And right at that moment, somebody threw a towel that hit me in the face and said, go home, champ. Sleep it off. And go home, I love champ, that. Sleep it go off. home, champ. Yes. Did uh, now I'm curious. So you were so you're married at the time. This whole thing happens to you. I've got to know. Let me just give you a bit of irony here first. Yeah, um, I didn't tell you. My wife was a therapist. She was working in Masters and Johnson sex therapy. She was being trained to be a sex therapist. So this is what I was going home to all the time. After I'd have all these failures in the business, I'd go home and talk to my wife about it. That's what I wanted to know. Like, what did you like? How did that come? Like, you you come home. What what was that? What was that like? That well, that was amazing because she was my coach. She was helping me figure out how to cope with this stuff. She would talk about oh, all the all the cliche words from sex therapy: performance anxiety, and here's what you do to reduce performance anxiety, and blah 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 blah. And uh, that's amazing. Well, what's really amazing is while this is going on, you know, I'm on the set and going through these things. Because this happened a lot in my first like 15 movies. This was right. not an isolated experience. I was the only reason I had a career was because I could act. I just happened to come along at a time in the late 70s when um, they had realized if they had porn films that had a higher quality of acting in it, um, they'd have a bigger market. Right. The, yeah. The whole, that's the right. holy that's grail right. yeah. at that time was called the crossover film. That would right. be a film that was so well made that it would compete with Hollywood, and yet it would have full body sex in it, where they exactly could, yep. we could. So they were looking for people like me that could act and do the sex, and well, eventually I, that proved to be true. But I didn't start out with I was just a total failure at the beginning, one after another. Uh, but the irony that I'm trying to t tell you about here is that I'd be on the set. And I wouldn't be able to get hard. And I would close my eyes. And I would start thinking about my wife. Makes and sense. I, yeah. And I would get hard. Well, and then I would hear God laughing. <laughs> you're, you thought you were going to get all this pussy. And you're dreaming off thinking about your wife. You jerk. Go home. You don't need this. Go home, champ. Go home, champ. <laughs> <laughs> but by then it's become a career um, yeah. I, I had uh, what really made my name in the business and I'll give you one more story and then you can have the rest of the hour yourselves <laughs> it's called uh, I, when I met everybody said to me you gotta meet Sam Weston you gotta meet Sam Weston Anthony Spinell he's the best director he makes the best movies yep. yeah. okay I had gotten a bit of reputation as a decent actor so I want to meet Spinelli and I go to meet him I've been in about 10, 15 movies by now. And Spinelli and I are talking. And um, he essentially, he just had an acting class. He put me through 
an acting class. And um, I responded well to it. And then uh, he, 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 he used to say, you're the paint, I'm the painter. You act, I direct. Yep. And action. And that's how it was. It means, which means I say, listen, schmuck, I have all the power. You do whatever the fuck I say or I don't need you. Okay, uh, I get it. That's what right. an actor is. An actor is not the chief. He's the Indian. Yes. Um, so uh, we have a nice afternoon together and we get to talking about family and growing up. And I mentioned him, my uncle Izzy. Um, a key part of my life was that when I was four years old, my grandmother died. And when she did, she'd been taking care of Uncle Izzy. Uncle Izzy was my mother's brother. He was mentally retarded. Uh, and he was truly batshit crazy. And when she died, my mother inherited him. Um, she, well, so he came to live with us. I don't, you don't need all the family history, but he came to live with us. So for me and my brother, we inherited an older brother who really was quite crazy. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and in our house, he became the center of family life because he he was eight years old, but it was a, a very young eight years old. And he was fat with a bald head and only had one tooth in his upper. And he would, hey, how? Hey, how? How you doing? How much do you think I get for this car if I sell it? About 600? Everything costs 600. It was like being alive in an Abigail Stella movie. Um, and and inside, inside the walls of our house, we loved it. It was oh it was it was fun. It was amazing. But you know, when strangers would come in or we had to take him out in the world, right? It'd be a little different because <laughs> you get in line with him at the bank, and the the guy behind us would start talking to him like he was a grown up. And you'd always have to wonder how long is it going to take this guy yeah. to realize that the elevator doesn't go up to the top floor. <laughs> uh, oh all my right. God. So that's Uncle Izzy, and. Uh, I'm describing him life with him to Sam and Sam goes, look, uh, I just moved to this neighborhood from a place where we had a guy like that on our street. His name was Melvin and the whole street used to take care of him. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. We all loved him. So, so, and Sam said, I always wanted to make a movie about a guy like that. And then Sam meets me. I am that guy. I could do that guy. So time to make the movie. The movie was called Talk Dirty to Me. And uh, it starred John Leslie and me. And Sam said, I want you to work with John Leslie. You'll love him. And I said, oh, no. I had already met John Leslie. I thought he was a gigantic asshole. I wanted no parts of John Leslie. <laughs> when I was, before I got in the business, I was in a Pittsburgh drive-in movie with my wife. It was an X-rated drive-in movie. And we're right. in the backseat fucking. And up on the screen is John Leslie and Joey Silvera. Joey. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. His real name was Nazvera. His X-rated name was Silvera. Joey Silvera. John and Joey up on the screen. Cut to a year later. I'm in the business. And I'm in a movie, my second movie called The Legend of Lady Blue. And uh, <laughs> I'm in a weird scene. It's supposed to be soldiers in a whorehouse in Vietnam. Uh, I'd never been in a whorehouse and I'd never been to Vietnam. I'm two for right, two. Right, right, right. So um, I'm working with Ken Scudder, who is very famous as a, as a great fuck. He was in a lot of movies, uh, only for the sex. And he was terrified of acting. Well, I was in the movie because I could act, but I was terrified of the fucking. We were a good combination. Um, 
And so we're in a whorehouse in Vietnam. And, then me, the and there's four black guys. They're all short black guys with gigantic dicks. And the six of us <laughs> are standing around a bed in, in a whorehouse. And the queen of Saigon is on the bed. And um, she's the main whore. And we're all supposed to just jerk off. That's my whole part in the movie is just jerk off. In it. Oh, okay. And I also, well, it's another thing. I didn't know about, <laughs> I didn't think about lubrication that day. So I'm doing this. I'm supposed to be hard or getting hard. And right. I spend like eight, six, seven hours doing this. Um, but that's in the way of the story. So, But the point is, right in the middle of this scene, they switched the partner for the Queen of Saigon from one side fucking her to John and Joey walk in. Wow! Porn stars! John and Joey! Boy, I turn into a puppy. I run up to them with my tail wagon. I want them to like me. I really, oh my God. They, John goes to Joey. Hey, Joey, look at this one. <laughs> and the two of them are like two fucking New York Italian pieces of shit. They're just making fun of me. And it's like, I'm not even there. New York I, I Italian exist. pieces of shit. I love it. Oh my God. Like, and I realized, okay, this is not working out. <laughs> I moved to the side and I don't really want any part of John, mostly John. And Joey was just like, so. So when Sam says to me, he wants me to meet John, we'll, we'll, we'll make magic together. And, oh, no, no, we ain't making nothing together. <laughs> and, I, and I said, John and Joey are together. You, you should use Joey. Don't use me in this. Said, no, kid, you're wrong. I tell you, you're wrong. You and John will make magic. Okay, this is supposed to be the, you know, the the, maestro, yeah, the genius director here. Right, right. Going to put me with fucking John Leslie. And he does. And John was right. I mean, Sam was right. Um, we were great together. Because um, you know, I was playing a mentally retarded kid of the streets, and that's who John thinks I am. <laughs> he thinks John wipes his ass with Berkeley. <laughs> Women's liberation, you can get him laughing for half an hour. Um, just Berkeley, just Berkeley, he's like Santino in The Godfather, making fun of Michael because Michael's fighting for his country. Um, John yeah. had no use for Berkeley and no use for any of the reality of me. But as a retarded kid that he was taking care of, he, he became a great caretaker. And he really believed that. And, and the right. magic of movies really worked for us because we stayed in character. Right. And, and we, in fact, well, I'll just skip to the end of this story <laughs> and then move on. At the end of the story, we make this movie. It's a great movie. And it's about... Uh, it makes John's character, which he always plays the tough, but this one, because he was taking care of me, made him human. It yeah. really gave him a different face. So when he's being an asshole to the girls, there's still a portion of him is tender. And it just doesn't show up with women. It shows up with Lenny, which is my character's name. Um, but anyway, John and I are in a hotel room. The movie's all wrapped and in the can. And... Uh, I said to John, surprised, looking back over the whole experience, I said, you know, I really love you. <laughs> and he said to me, what? I said, I really love you. And he said, you want to fuck me? I said, no, I don't want to fuck you. <laughs> he said, well, then calm the fuck down. <laughs> That is amazing. Oh, my. That's a great we, story. We One have more got... PS on this because it's, it's the highlight of my career, if not my life. 
um, a week before we're going to start shooting this movie. Um, I have, we have, my wife and I have a lot of the porn people over to our house for dinner. There's Sam and his wife and his son, Mitch, who had written the script. Um, Aunt Peg is there. Annette Haven is there. Um, uh, Michael Morrison is there. John Seaman is there. Um, and we're showing off. We had had some experience with some real foodie people who took us into the world of gourmet magazine. And so for dinner, we made uh, beef Wellington. We Ooh. had this French dessert called Daquoise. We had these fancy French wines. And we were just showing off. And it's a beautiful meal. And at the dinner, um, Annette Haven, who was the queen of everything porn at that point, only Linda Lovelace was bigger. Marilyn Chambers right. hadn't started yet. Um, and John Leslie, they had worked together several times. They're both alpha personalities. And neither one of them would give an inch. And they do this comedy routine that they were used to doing where they just bitch on each other. And we're all drunk and laughing. And that's, that's it's like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning at my house in Berkeley. And this is going on. And then the phone rings, uh, two o'clock in the morning. And uh, I go in the bedroom to answer it while they were all in the living room in our cottage. And it's my dad on the phone crying. I never heard my dad cry, ever. He's calling to tell me that Uncle Izzy has just died. Oh. I'm about to go play him in a movie in five days. Oh, Jesus. And now I'm thinking, can I get home in time for the funeral? Um, okay. So uh, I tell Jeremy what's happened, my wife, Carly, in the book. Um, and she goes back in the front room and tells Sam and everybody, I've just had a death in my family. And they, they get it and you know sober up and they're all going to go. And when I go back in the other room, I tell Sam, it's Izzy that just died. Wow. Okay, well, Sam is making a movie. Uh, and this is five days before production is going to start. A lot of money has already been spent. A lot more is about to be spent. Yes. He doesn't know if he has a movie or not anymore. And I don't either. Because I don't know what the right move is here. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in you know, my, my mother and father have asked me to call my brother who's in Israel. So I got to make that phone call as soon as I get off right. the phone to him, try to reach him and tell him what's happened. And then I got to make arrangements to get to Pittsburgh because my parents are Orthodox Jews. Yeah. And Orthodox Jews put their dead in the ground maybe 10 minutes after they're declared dead. Yep. <laughs> so um, that's going on. And Sam says to me, well, let me know as soon as you know what you're going to do. And they go home. And um, I call my brother. And the long story short is I decide to make the movie. It will be my homage to this man who was the inner circle of family. There are five of us, my brother and me and him and my parents. And now one's gone. And this is the first time. And it's horrible and powerful and all that shit. Okay. So my, it turns out my parents asked, they're going to bury him the next day. Meaning if I get on a plane at seven o'clock in the morning, I still won't make the funeral. Funeral, yeah. So they asked me not to come. Oh. This is my parents protecting me from death again. And uh, mostly I think they're protecting themselves from 
from me seeing them. Yep. Yeah, that's what wrong. it is. Because yeah. they can't take care of me because I'm their baby. They can't take care of me when they're feeling this way. So it was just better off all the way around if I didn't come. And I didn't come. And I decided to make the movie, as I said. That was my decision. I'll skip all the sturm and drawing about the decision and make the movie. Okay. Now, in the movie, there's a crying scene. You won't remember it, and I'll tell you that why. Uh, in the crying scene, we're going to shoot it in San Francisco. Uh, it's a long scene, maybe five or ten minutes long. John Leslie is playing his harmonica, and I didn't know he was a blues musician. He was a phenomenal harp player. Oh. Um, I learned it that day. And I'm sitting by his side. Uh, behind us is a picture window, like I, behind me right now is a picture window, only it's open. Yep. And you see the San Francisco Bay in a huge panorama. It's a beautiful shot. Um, and I'm weeping because no girl wants to be with me. And John, a lot of the movie is John trying to get some of the girls to fuck him, to fuck me, just throw him, yeah, fuck him, take care of him. And they, they no, I don't fuck the idiot. And, and I'm a sad figure, and I know this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Izzy age. I'm capable of fucking. Izzy never was um, that we know of. Maybe his brothers had taken him to a whorehouse when they were teenagers. I don't know. That would have been funny to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna cost me six hundred. Yeah. Everything's gonna cost six hundred, even the whole yeah. right. <laughs> I'm supposed to cry and, and this is in the background and we're gonna use natural light in golden hour they call it. Yeah, and, right. Uh, that means maybe it's a five, seven minute take. We'll get one take for sure, maybe two if we're lucky. And let's go. And we start shooting the scene. And John's playing the harmonica. And I'm astonished to hear it because I didn't know he had this in his bag of tricks. Right. And uh, I'm weeping. And believe me, guys, it was no problem that day to find my tears. And, tears, yeah. Um, and cut. The crew starts applauding. Guys, that don't happen on a porn set very often. Yeah. And Sam shoots them all a look like, Stop it. He didn't have to say the words. And it's just like the water turning off on a water faucet. And he comes up to me and he takes my face in his hands and he says, we're going to go again right now. Only this time, just let it out. <laughs> just let it out. Oh, my okay? God. Okay. And action. All right. Here's the climax, guys. We start shooting the film, the scene again. Um, the tears are flowing. The words are coming out of my mouth. But I'm not there. Where I am is in my head. And in my head, what's happened is this. Uncle Izzy sticks his head out from behind the clouds. Jesus. And oh he God. says to me, it's okay. Go ahead. Use it. Yep. Wow. And cut. Cut. Sam's got a big smile on his face. He's happy. Okay. <laughs> wow. 
to rap. Wow. This is amazing. We we that have got the only time in my life yeah. I ever understood acting. Yeah. And I didn't even know if I approved of it. It reminded me, history student in the Middle Ages, theater troops used to travel around town to town in Europe. Yes. And the church people would tar and feather them and run them out of town because their sin to the medieval mind was they played with life. Yep. You don't play with life. Well, you, you, uh, that is, is that is where we've got to leave it for today. Um, you are amazing. My friend. I am. Yes. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) I mean, that is just, Wow. I mean, there's things you know, and the book is available where? Yes. How do we get this book? Um, yes. Because how do we get it? God, get the, okay, that, that um, was an incredible story. We, we got that was, I don't want to see the, I want to read maybe. the whole thing. Uh, the, the, uh, Hindsight, written copy, right? the written copy is www.hindsightbook, one word, lowercase.com. www.hindsightbook.com. It's okay. also available as an audiobook. And the book is 675 pages long. I did uh, a reading of it, which was just like what we just went through, Yeah. which is amazing to perform as a writer writing the book. And then Mm -hmm. you turn around and become an actor and perform the book. Wow. So I have that. And that is available at, um, oh, fuck me. See, this is the part where I just I slit my own throat. I don't know how to. <laughs> you, you, you've had this incredible pitch. We've, 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 we've done all these amazing and things. Got, yeah, got We're the, at the end the of the show, and it all falls yeah. apart for Howie, where he's like, oh, shit, where the hell do uh, I it, buy that audio? Band camp, band camp, Howie, band camp, period, HowieGordonPeriod.com, I okay. think. But okay. I will look it up when I get my feet back on the ground, and I'll email it to you. Got it. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Camp, I HowieGordon.com, I think, is it. And yeah. um, um, you've just got Howie Gordon's greatest hit. It doesn't get any better. I, can't I know. That and that's, uh, I'm speechless, honestly. That's that is amazing. Line. That was Thank the you highlight so much. of my career, if not my life. No, the highlight of my life is when I met my wife. You know, you'll have to hear that another time. Well, uh, thank you so much. Well, Giovanni, before we let you go, uh, how do we get in touch with you and everywhere? Well, I was always on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. G I L V is the personal or at sex work PR or at model red agency. Any one you want to go to and you can get me there and I'm always reachable because uh, I'm just easy to find, but uh, uh, that'd be it for me. I'm I'm spinning too fast to have anything stick right now of, of, of that, but I loved your name when I first heard what it was. Um, the magic of, of all that is, is very clear. Um, I like how we've interacted. I'd love to know you. Let's trade the vitals at some point. We will do that. When it's more earthly. <laughs> then... <laughs> well, I thank you for, I mean, I think you've shared not just with uh, Jiggy and myself and obviously the wider audience, but I think that what everyone can gain from this one experience that you've given us all. And it has been an experience is that there is, and you alluded to humanity earlier about bringing humanity to all of this, regardless of what, you know, where people see the adult industry or the people in the adult industry. 
I think what you have done with the book, what you have done obviously is talking about part of this book and part of your life experience is giving not just the humanity, but the reality of that each of us in this business, whatever role we play, are human beings with feelings and emotions and a spirituality to us that's all our own that we have when we interact with others. And that, bringing that humanity to it, is a wonderful gift that you have given us, not just here, but through the book and through sharing the stories with us. So thank you uh, so much for that. My pleasure. Well, you are amazing. Uh, we are going to wrap things up here for this week. And uh, join us on SkyhawkAfterDarkRadio.com and, of course, uh, iHeartRadio. And for the podcast, yes, the dreaded P word is P-word. available on TalkShoe. And, uh, Howie, thanks for doing this, brother. Thank I you, really appreciate, appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. And uh, we will talk to everybody at a later date. Howie, thank you. And thank you, Gil, as well. And that wraps it up here for this edition of Fucking Around with Postos. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.